Genius Episode 11, Good Eats. In this episode, Eric and Don talk about Alton Brown and his TV shows and cookbooks, and just what makes it different from all the other stuff on Food Network. Inverse Genius is sponsored by our fantastic Patreons at patreon.com slash obg. Head over there and see what options are there, and also spread the news about Inverse Genius. Thanks. Welcome to yet another episode of Inverse Genius, the podcast they said could not continue, but yet somehow it seems to. I'm Eric Dewey, your host. You can find me at ericdewey.com. You can find all the fun stuff we're involved in on inversegenius.com. And the man chuckling behind me, you know him, the mean man of podcasting, Mr. Donald Dennis. Yes, uh, Donald Dennis. You can find me all over the wilds of the internet as Walsfio. And uh, sometimes I also tweet as onboard games. Speaking of onboard games, go check out all the other cool podcasts after you've listened to this one at inversegenius.com, including. Including the upcoming On Minis games with my favorite Australian, which means he beats out Kylie Minogue, Giles Pritchard. And onboard games, and on RPGs, and games in schools and libraries, and. The uh, we also host the Room Escape Divas, whom we don't have to make that show, so yay! Yes, we love having shows that we don't have to make. Ah, <laughs> uh, so uh, I've actually been getting quite a bit of feedback on our uh, GI Joe episode that Chaz and I did. It's nice to know that there's a lot of people out there with the same sort of nostalgia and feeling towards G.I. Joe that, that we had. So uh, appreciate all of the feedback on that, and we'll certainly do other episodes along that vein uh, as our interests show. <laughs> I do find it kind of... Uh, it's, a, it's a good perspective in your life because you like a lot of things that I don't or I have no connection to. I mean, you like a completely different kind of music um, and, you know, G.I. Joe. But I really liked the G.I. Joe episode, even though I had absolutely no real interest in the topic. I thought you guys did a good job on that. Well, thank you. There was a lot of enthusiasm there. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) So um, one of the great things about being a friend of Don is that he will introduce you to some amazing stuff. And we have talked in previous episodes how he introduced me to Farscape. Uh, There's other things he's introduced me to, and one of those things was the amazing show on a fairly new network at the time. What am I talking about, Don? Good Eats. That's right. Good Eats with Alton Brown. So this was an early show on the Food Network. Uh, It wasn't one of the earliest shows, but certainly kind of that second generation when they've sort of had their feet uh, underneath them and knew what they were doing. Right. It was, it was a, about the time they decided, hey, not everything has to be just a cook in a kitchen and a camera, uh, that we can do something that's a little bit either more personality-driven or educational-driven beyond just a, a flash-fry this and then throw it on the table sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so Don had been watching it for a, a period of time, and he's like, hey, have you checked this out? And I said no, and it took me a little bit to watch it. And so I fired up the first episode that, uh, that happened to be on at the time, and it was all about duck. And all I could think was, is like, I'm not going to eat duck, not because I don't like it, just it's not something I don't know where I would get a duck, you know. But as I'm watching this episode, I'm like, oh, wow, there's a lot of interesting stuff here and from that point on i was hooked right and so the things about good eats is the 
presenter, Alton Brown, is the writer, and he had trainer, I think, as a cinematographer. And Yeah, he started out doing commercials and whatnot, and he decided that he wanted to do a show about cooking, but he didn't really know anything about cooking. So he enrolled himself in the New England Culinary Institute, which is a fairly prestigious institute up in uh, Maine. And so he made his way through culinary school, and then when that was finished, he started uh, designing and doing Good Eats. And something that I find interesting is that he never claims to be a chef. Uh, He's never been a chef in a restaurant. He's got training. He certainly has the knowledge to be, but he's not technically a chef. So I always found that kind of interesting. And, in fact, since uh, Good Eats has ended at this point, he's had hosted several other shows, like he is – uh, the science or the the insider knowledge voice on was on the Iron Chef America and the Fuki San. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then he's got his what is a Cutthroat Kitchen? Is that his? Yep, his, yep, that's his game show. And he's basically the voice commentary guy who says, "Yes, I see. They're are, are they using this style or, or or tormenting people? You get to see sort of his vicious side come out. Kind of reminds me of Scott Nicholson as he was getting ready to leave the show." Uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He uh, he has a podcast uh, that's kind of gone on and off, and it's on again, um, where he talks to various culinary people and talks about things that are of interest to him. And he's been teasing very strongly that on YouTube, he's going to be doing a Good Eats-like show that could start any time now. Yeah. You know, and okay, so what I love about that is if you're interested in Good Eats and you have Netflix, you can get a pitiful sampling of what Good Eats is because they have like part of a season at a time. And so right. so they've changed out the shows three times. And so they're calling this like season three. And I don't even know that all of those episodes are from the same season of Good Eats. Um, but the, the way having it available on YouTube and having it perpetually available I'm willing to throw commercial money at him. You know, he gets to show me a commercial and I will watch his show. Very good. I'll, I'll do that. Uh, but just having it available constantly will be amazingly useful. And I think that he's probably waited too long. He should have started that when Google first said, hey, we're looking for someone to throw money at to do a show on YouTube. He should have done it right then. Yeah, that's that's true. Um so, well, let's talk about what makes Good Eats such an interesting show, and, and as well as Elton Brown, and then we'll kind of move on from there. Uh, certainly what made a big difference to me, I, I often claim that Alton Brown taught me how to cook. And the reason is, is while I could certainly make some dishes, I could certainly cook some things, I didn't understand what I was doing. I was simply following instructions. And the problem with at least with me following instructions, is that I there's a lot of arbitrariness in cooking. You know, check to see if it's done kind of things. And if I don't have it spelled out for me, how do I know it's done or not? And so I was, I always kind of struggled with that. Bring to a rolling boil. Well, is this a rolling boil or is it just boiling kind of furiously? And what Good Eats really focuses on is sort of the science behind the cooking. So you knew you know, how to make this recipe, you saw how to make the recipe, but you also understood what was going on science-wise. So this is why it's a rolling boil is needed for this particular recipe, for instance. Uh, and that is what really sold me on the show. 
Right. But it, it also has an aspect of skit comedy to it that most other cooking shows don't actually have, uh, which is they, he starts with the narrative and you get characters like Coco Carl who show up and, and help him explain things. And he brings on guests who are authorities where, sure, he could research it and become enough of an authority for the show. But did you say nutritional anthropologist? I didn't say nutritional anthropologist. <laughs> I didn't even know there was such a thing until the show. <laughs> right. And so then all of a sudden there is a new character who shows up who imparts information. And, and many times they are a legitimate, uh, a legitimate knowledgeable person. Like I think it's Susan Cor... Uh, okay. Uh, never mind. Oh, the kind Cor- of... Cor- but- uh, I don't know her name, but she's really smart and she knows all kinds of things. And then you have uh, the the anthropologist we talked about who will talk about the history of of maize, for example, and how it was used. And so you get an idea of maybe what the pilgrims would have really had for their first Thanksgiving dinner here in America. And it wasn't a ginormous, uh, you know, turkey and mashed potatoes, probably, though there might have been turkeys. There wasn't probably pumpkin pie. That's too bad. Yes, yes. <laughs> But yeah, you're right. There, there was a story narrative in every episode. So, you know, he may talk about, like I said, duck in one episode or talk about a, a cooking technique. But there is this sort of loose story narrative. There's these cast of characters and puppets and and models to help you understand what's going on. And, and what's truly amazing is just, I mean, he didn't have a huge budget for this show. I, and so he, making some of these things must have just been you know, just put together by spit and bailing wire. But it was it was just a really entertaining and interesting look at, at what was going on. And, and to me, I realized that it really made a difference in my cooking when he did an episode on squid. And one of the dishes that they did was a squid stir fry. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm fine with calamari. I like it, but it wasn't anything I was going to rush out and make. But I liked the idea of the stir fry and, I, and it, all his concepts and stuff. So ultimately, I made my own stir fry to a great success. And I realized that I didn't use any of the recipe of his or very little of his recipe. I just used all of his concepts and was able to sort of make my own recipe. And, and that, to me, truly told me that I understood what I was doing. I wasn't slavishly following, you know, one cup of this and three cups of that. Right, yeah. Each one of his episodes follows either an ingredient or sometimes a cooking technique or, you know, some kind of tool. Even he'll, he'll, he'll focus on, on different kinds of, of items. Um, so you might get a big, here's how you buy the best deep fryer, which is you don't buy a deep fryer. You use your Dutch oven on your top, or, you know, instead of buying a, a, what do you not buy for your kitchen? A single-use item, oh. except for a fire extinguisher. Also known as unitaskers. You know, unitaskers. And, and I don't think that, I don't think, I think the whole thing about fire extinguishers, and he calls it a unitasker, but not only does it stop a fire, but it saves a life and a building. And, you know. and I believe he used it to crush garlic cloves once. Yes. <laughs> so there you have it. Um, and he does ridicule the little stupid ki- kitchen gadgets that uh, some of the houseware stores and kitchenware stores will sell you to well, crush garlic or to do things that you go, you know, you don't need to buy a little silicone tube to peel the skin off of your garlic uh, because if you crush it between a sheet pan and the countertop, uh, the skins will pop off on their own. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, which, yeah it's always appreciative to, uh, to have less junk in the kitchen. <laughs> I, my, my kitchen has much more room in it to be taken up by stupid pieces of Tupperware 
that, that will get used <laughs> than, than a bunch of monotaskers that won't. Yes, very true, very true. Um, one, of, one of the things that you, I don't know if you, if you remember this, but you had this theory that some of his recipes were intentionally bland to encor- encourage you to kind of experiment with them. Do you remember that at all? Well, I, I don't know if it was, was bland, but I know that or, they, they weren't optimal. It's like, this yeah. is how to get you on the right path. Like one of the pe- people said his dry rub was so overpowering. And I'm like, well, first of all, you don't use all of it <laughs> yeah, yeah. when you're doing it. But the other is, is that he's teaching technique. And of course, he's teaching, he's from Georgia, I think. Mm-hmm. And he's from the, the Southeast. And their palate's different than other people's palate. So him giving you a recipe may not be as useful as when he did his chocolate chip episode, chocolate chip cookie episode. Yeah. Which, do you remember that yeah. one? Yeah. I do. So, you know, he wanted to make a good chocolate chip cookie, but the catch is, is that what's good to him isn't necessarily good to somebody else. And so he showed you at least three different methods of making a chocolate chip cookie. Right. And it's all the uh, same recipe, but here's how you alter out this ingredient for that ingredient. And you try cake flour, all-purpose flour, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and then you'll have either the uh, crunchy cookie or the you know, the more cake-like cookies, chewy and stuff like that. And he sort of shows you how to massage the elements to get the thing. And so if I ever have to make cookies, that's going to be the episode I want to go and see one more time so that I can say, oh, really what I need to do is add two more sticks of butter. But at least now I know why. Yes, exactly. Uh, and And that actually brings up a very valid point. Alton Brown has some very specific tastes. And there are things... There are things that I feel he takes to the extreme, like rotating out his spices every month or two, um, that I'm not personally going to bother with. But it, that's fine. Uh, much like when we review games, you know, Don and I have a specific taste. And so as you get to know us, you know what games we tend to like and dislike, and then you can sort of adjust your thoughts based on how you know what our tastes are. And so likewise with the recipes, you know, you can adjust the recipes since you have a feeling for kind of what he likes and you can adjust it so what for what you like. Yes. Um. Now, you brought up an interesting point, though. You know, you were talking about when I want to make some cookies, you know, I'm going to go watch that episode. And we just mentioned how difficult it is to actually see these episodes uh, because there's not a universe there's not a complete good eats dvd collection i've got the first um, three seasons on dvd but yeah, i don't know I how much that farther might be it went. i don't think it went very far much farther so what are your options in this case well you can you can just go and google his recipes which is perfectly yes. fine he also has several cookbooks that will teach you some of the basics and and, and also walk you through the steps yeah, let's drop anchor on the cookbooks because he has three specific cookbooks uh, that are dealing completely with Good Eats. So the, they're basically the beginning of Good Eats, the middle of Good Eats, and the end of Good Eats. So every single episode of Good Eats is kind of summarized in the cookbook. And it gives you the recipes. And a lot of times they're actually improved versions of the recipes as he's discovered more things. Because he really approaches this very scientifically. I mean, he... He understands the, the, the science behind it, and so he'll make changes to his recipes as he finds that this works better or, you know, it was unnecessary for to, to do this step. So you can kind of go through the books and get some of the same information that you would get on the episodes. 
Right. And the whole thing is that how he how he's done this. For example, he used to say, you know, there's absolutely no reason to put oil in water when you're boiling spaghetti or pasta because it's not going to get on the pasta because that's not the way it works, right? Uh, right. Because if it did, well, then you wouldn't get the water into the pasta, pasta. because oil and water don't mix. And then li- years later, he came back and said, you know, if you put in oil, it won't boil over as much. Right. It's like, yeah. oh, and okay. So-, so the oil does something <laughs> that is useful to the cooking process that has nothing to do with why people thought it was there. And he is willing to reverse his position on them when he finds out, you know, it's a very, yeah, like you say, a science-based show. And, and I find that's pretty darn cool. Yeah, definitely. The other other aspect is it used to be, and I'm pretty sure it still is, there was somebody who had a page, a web page that had transcripts of each Good Eats episode. Uh, and so you can actually download those transcripts and read them. Don't do that. Um, you could, though. But, you, but yes, you can, but don't do that. Just buy the cookbooks if you're going to do that. Fair enough. You want me to just cut that whole section out? Nope. Okay. <laughs> nope. Unless you just want to reenact them, then that's a great reason to download the transcripts. I think that's fun, but don't, uh, yeah. That's a bad call. <laughs> Fair enough. You're, you're welcome to tell uh, me that you did that, Eric. Prove me Well, wrong. I certainly did, but that was before the cookbooks were out. Ah. So so if I was wanting to look up his thing on, on you know, how to turkey the, the turkey episode oh look, we'll we'll drop anchor on turkey in just a second but <laughs> I, I had to uh i had to to get the transcript for that to kind of follow through on it so yeah let's talk about his turkey shall we okay so that is when i was living in charlottesville virginia um and so a friend said he was going to do uh the, the thanksgiving dinner and have a bunch of basically people who didn't have family in charlottesville there for thanksgiving like well great uh i watch good eats i'll do the turkey uh and I made the Good Eats turkey back in, I don't know, the mid-late 90s, whenever, whenever that happened. It was the best turkey um, that I've ever had for Thanksgiving. Definitely. And it's not because I made it. Anybody could have followed the instructions. But, um, and I think, okay, so here's the deal about Good Eats. Is Good Eats happens sort of at the same time that uh, shows like Trading Spaces happened and a bunch of other personal lifestyle empowerment TV shows happened, which is you don't have to eat your meals from a box or go out to eat them. You can instead know, more, know your food better. You can build your own house or do your own home improvement. You don't have to hire a special contractor to do these things. And that is sort of what made this magical to a generation of kids who were sort of growing up into their adulthood where the box macaroni and cheese uh, and we're coming off of frozen TV dinners into microwave meals and all of these things are starting to become a thing that the, the, the foodscape was changing all around us. And that's, yeah. that's why I like the whole Alton Brown stuff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I had a very similar turkey experience as well. I think you had done it and said how f- amazing it was. And I was looking at it and I was like, okay, so when Thanksgiving rolled around, uh, you know, Amy's family always had a big Thanksgiving meal. I think, I think I had suggested to do the turkey, or it might have been we we did a dry run. I think I just said, oh, I'll, I'll do the turkey, and I know that there was some skepticism, uh, just by <laughs> you know virtue of the fact that you know this has always been the way it is. But my mother-in-law understood suddenly that she wouldn't have to deal with trying to cook three things in one oven, there would be one less thing in there. So she was like, okay. 
And so, yeah, we followed the Elton Brown recipe. We, we cooked it. We brought it over there. And everybody talked about how great the turkey was. Even my, my wife's grandmother was like, this is really good turkey. And so it has flavor. It has. Yeah. And it's not dry. And, and, and so future years, my, my mother-in-law was, was thrilled just to never have to do the turkey again. Uh, other family members would ask before coming over, is Eric doing the turkey this year? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and uh, so that was, you know, very, very high praise indeed. And it's not difficult. It's mildly time consuming, but it's not difficult at all. And again, it's not that I'm a great cook. It's that I can follow directions and I understand what's going on. But I mean, if if you need to impress somebody um, with cooking ability, then firing off Alton Brown's roast turkey is is not a bad way to go. <laughs> if there's a trick, and I'm not saying there is, is is how he starts many of his recipes or or parts of parts of his recipes. Uh, and and the trick is simply to understand why you're doing what you're doing as much as what you're doing. Right. That's exactly right. You need to understand the why. Because to be honest with you, when we make the turkey now, I don't use his brine recipe anymore. I use a different one. Uh, I still use the cooking technique, but uh, I found that there was a lot of ingredients in his brine recipe that I don't know that I necessarily would taste. Hmm. And so I took some of those out. But well, and you added again, soy con- sauce into yours, I think, right? Yep. Yeah, I took a lot of salt out and added soy sauce instead. I, I, I never had much luck with the way he said to actually cook the turkey. It's like it always tried to burst into flames or something, um, hmm. you know, or, or it didn't brown upright. And it could have been just inferior ovens, right? You, you never really know where your problems are coming from in that aspect. But it always tasted good. It just never came out looking like the model chicken or model turkey he had when, it, when it, he presented the work doing the carving stuff. Right, yeah. But, I mean, this is to me just the quintessential greatness of Good Eats and just fascinating at the same time is you and I enjoy food, not really great cooks per se, uh, and both were able to have noticeably dramatically well-done turkeys just by sort of following these concepts. And along the way, we have learned things and uh, are by far much better cooks than we ever were uh, before we started watching the show. Right. So I was the, tur- the turkey guy for a while at, at my parents' house because I'd go home for the Christmas. And then my sister got her husband a turkey deep fryer. Ah, yes. And so I got booted because mom doesn't like rosemary and I would always cram my turkey full of rosemary. And uh, <laughs> she's like, why didn't you say that you didn't like rosemary? I could have picked some different herbs. But, yeah, whatever. Family's funny. Yes. And uh, fried turkey's actually pretty good. I know Alton Brown has this really complex contraption to lower the turkey using a, a stepladder into the fryer to keep it from boiling over and setting everything on earth on fire. And it's, once again, it's more about knowing why he's doing what he's doing than necessarily doing it exactly the way he does. Uh, right. But... You know, I love the fact he'll say, you know, we can make a smoker out of a cardboard box or we can make this kind of oven out of a, a terracotta planter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of the uh, Scrap Iron Chef episode. So at the time when uh, Junkyard Wars and, and the original Iron Chef were popular, he did this episode where he was in a junkyard and it was a, some sort of game show. And he basically made bacon out of 
you know, a cardboard box and a hot plate. And a Tupperware and container. Pencil shavings. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I've never been motivated to smoke my own bacon, but I do know I could if I desired to. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and he, uh, so some of the characters he has, uh, one of the characters is W. Ah, yes. W, his chiropractor, as a matter of fact. Right. And who doesn't find him nearly as amusing as he finds himself. But she's the technical tools expert, which is one of these fake experts that he'll bring on the show and, and feed them lines, um, who helps explain what kinds of or, or gives him a reason to explain why certain elements are, are why, better. Yeah. Why you want one tool over another or what to look for in a particular cooking utensil. And so uh, another thing I like is that in his books, he breaks up his, his recipes and hardware and software. And, you know, here's the equipment that you're going to need for this recipe. And uh, then here's the muffin method. And he will pre- he'll refer to things such as the muffin method or, um, what is it, muffins or bread or different ways to combine your ingredients. But he does a good job of explaining that, well, this is basically you're adding the wet to the dry or the dry to the wet. And how many times you're going to beat it and that kind of stuff. His pancakes are still my go-to pancakes. I mean, I will occasionally add cinnamon in or some other things into the batter, but um, his for when I lived in Maryland, it was like at least twice a month we would do you know the pancake breakfast. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's another thing. I mean, I, I've watched a lot of Food Network television. <laughs> I've downloaded quite a few recipes, but his by and far, have become more into my, our family's rotation of food than any other TV chefs. Mm. And, uh, But uh, you mentioned it wasn't a very expensive oh. show. At the time, I think it was the most expensive show they did. Yeah, you're probably right. Because, because they had prop, props and puppets. They had cutaways in the stoves uh, or in, in ovens. They had to go on location shoots. Uh, and they had to hire other actors and stuff for it. Yeah. Um, so I think. In fact, one of the actors, uh, Lucky Yates, is uh, Krieger in Archer now. <laughs> oh yeah, he is. Uh, he's all that. We need to do an Archer episode. Yeah, yeah, I think we do. Mm, that'll give me an excuse to rewatch it. But that's another show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what, wait, what were we talking about before we went to the the cost of the show? Oh yeah, the cost of the show. I think the only other ones that might have costed more were some of the. Uh, we're going to go to a foreign country and look at special shows, you know. Um, yeah, I, I tend to believe that the Emeralds show was a little bit pricey because that was when it was at its apex. So there was a lot of studio audience. There was a lot of a lot of stuff going on for that show as well. There's a real interesting book that I read that's sort of the history of Food Network. And uh, it's kind of fun to see. It, it it sort of is amazing that the channel is still around, actually, after reading yeah. <laughs> reading how it started. <laughs> oh, and if you go on to Netflix now, one of the episodes is The Making of Good Eats. Uh, oh, perfect. So on the, on the Good Eats stuff. And uh, I just got finished watching Emerald's five or six episode series on Amazon, which is, I think it's like Emerald Eats the World or something like that. And they've got an episode in Italy, an episode in Cuba, and it, I think it's an Amazon exclusive. So... You know, there is still new stuff being done in food television with some of the people that we know because, you know, that Emerald Show has Mario uh, in one of the episodes and some other folks you'll recognize from Iron Chef and whatnot. Yeah, pretty much Bobby Flay is the only person, sort of the longest tenured person on Food Network, followed by Alton Brown. 
Well, so, anyway. Yeah, well, of course, Emerald left when he got his show, and then that bombed. Mm-hmm. So, Well, they sort of, it got to be a little too expensive. Ratings started to drop, so they they kind of unceremoniously kicked Emerald to the curb, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm not, but, I was never a big fan of Emerald, really. I mean... Not, I wasn't either. I mean, he's a nice enough guy. When he, when he was doing his show, and it was unpretentious, and it was just him showing you how to cook, I liked that. The, the bigger and the more production he got, the less I liked it. Fair enough. But that's that's a topic for another show, right? That is. That is well, you know. <laughs> the history of good, good net, uh, Food Network. Uh, so anyway, uh, Alton Brown does have a live show that he does. It's fairly entertaining. Um, I went and saw it when it was in Tulsa, and it was kind of cool to see him there. But it was... Uh, did, did he do the ice cream wrong. cannon? Uh, no. In this case, he did a... Uh, giant popcorn popper uh okay like a bushel of popcorn or some some huge amount of popcorn comes firing out of that thing <laughs> um, so he does some neat uh neat sort of stunts like that oh he did liquid nitrogen on alcohol as well nice uh, a lot of songs in between uh it's sort of i think of it as a variety show of anything else it's certainly a lot of fun um don't go there thinking, oh, I'm going to learn how to cook something, because it's not like a cooking demonstration show. But though, it is though he has fun. done some of those as well. Uh, uh-huh. And he also, oh, there was two other shows we forgot. Uh, one was when he was motorcycle touring America. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, feasting on Asphalt. Right. And then, there, Asphalt. and then there was the other one that had boats in it. Feasting on Waves. That's the one. And uh, I haven't watched Feasting on Waves yet, because he was hitting a bunch of Caribbean islands, so the odds of me... Hitting a bunch of Caribbean islands were lower, but the feasting on asphalt was pretty cool because he was doing a motorcycle tour through America and stopping at every, you know, kind of interesting place in town, and and it was sort of a higher brow version of diners, drive-ins, and dives or something like that. <laughs> right, and I think is that where I learned about the coolicle? Probably the most yes. disgusting thing I've ever heard of that I have yet to try. <laughs> um, basically, it's a cherry Kool-Aid giant dill pickle. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. No. I've tried to convince people that, that it's a thing and that they should eat one, but I have yet to try it myself, so that's sort of ingenuous, disingenuous. Fair enough. <laughs> that, that you can you can judge other people. You know who would try it? Bruce. Bruce would try it for what the food. <laughs> mm. I wonder what Bruce thinks about Alton. Oh, well. Too bad. We'll have we to could have out. had him on the show. I'm sure he's not working now. Yeah, hadn't thought that through. Well... I think we've reached the apex of Alton Brown. Uh, I certainly want to encourage you to check it out. He does have a brand new cookbook out. He is on a book tour right now. Uh, The theme of this cookbook is sort of the recipes he cooks for himself. Um, And so those are kind of neat. But definitely, definitely take a look at Good Eats because if you have any interest in cooking or just in in looking for an entertaining 22 minutes, uh, it's certainly a show to watch. It is indeed. Cool. Well, Don, thank you very much for, first of all, informing me of the genius that is Alton Brown, and second of all, for joining me and spreading the news. Well, we, I have to thank Scott then, because Scott was the one who introduced me to Good Eats, I believe, Scott Nicholson. So, uh, But you're welcome. Uh, Any time we can find something that's great to share, in fact, I encourage our listeners to let us know either what they'd be interested in hearing us talking about, should we feel we have an opinion, or you know, even saying, hey, I have this great thing I'd like to talk about, and, uh, and maybe I want to join you guys on mic. So uh, uh, that could happen, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, head over to InverseGenius.com or shoot us an email at InverseGeniusLLC at gmail.com. Well, thank you very cool. much. Well, I'm Donald Dennis. 
And I'm Eric Dewey. And you've been listening to Inverse Genius. Hooray! Wrong show. Wrong show. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license. Thank you.